Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Explore the depths of your curiosity with aerospace engineer John Connolly, Columbia Space Center's Benjamin Dickow, and CEO of Heavy Metal Magazine Matthew Medney, as they bring scientists, engineers, and authors on a journey of discovery. This is Putting the Science in Science Fiction, where fiction and science collide. Welcome to Putting the Science in Science Fiction. Um, Matt Medney, we have John Connolly and Ben Dickow here. Hey. It's uh, our first uh, trifecta episode in, a, in about a month or so, so we hope everyone's summer has been going well. Um, and let's dive right into Loki, which was an incredible, in my opinion, TV show on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact Ben and I have watched all six episodes, but the moment of truth because John told us last Thursday he had not watched them all yet, and we will find out right now whether or not he's watched all six. John? I have. Yay! All right! (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I actually didn't know Ben if he had. I talked to him either late last night or early this morning. He's like, I'm four in, and I can't put it down. (laughs) So I wasn't sure if he actually got through them today. <laughs> I say, fear, fear not. <laughs> or, or you feared an Odin. So you made sure you watched. <laughs> well, there's a big difference between them being six hours long and being basically 40 minutes, especially with those yeah. nine minutes of credits. Oh, you got to love Disney's nine-minute credits. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Kang, how excited. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm personally massively excited because I think Kang is this unbelievably powerful human mm-hmm. who has just manipulated science to the umpteenth power right. to really control time, right? Mm-hmm. John, what was your favorite part or what, what what shocked you the most about uh about the way in which Kang was portrayed in the TVA and what what are your initial thoughts well my initial thoughts are I see where Umbrella Academy gets it from <laughs> <laughs> the commission was stolen from yeah, it was totally shamelessly it was uh i actually looked this up it was uh 1974 is when jack kirby created the tva uh uh, for uh for it was a thor uh series is where it first initially came out because i remember when i saw the first preview for loki i thought it was the other way around for a hot second Mm -hmm. i was like wait no 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 it's definitely the other way (laughs) but yes they definitely uh they definitely took that with uh with liberty. 
Uh, I mean, re- repeat your question again. What was my favorite part? Yeah, like, like what, what, what did like both from like a um, a character standpoint and then from like a science standpoint? Because I thought I thought it um, it did some really interesting things that felt relatively realistic. Well, I appreciated especially that they acknowledged that you couldn't simply delete away every aspect of a timeline mm-hmm. and how they basically just, you know, deferred them to the end, which also I felt like, especially with the story that's dealing with bran- constantly branching alternate timelines, you know, that can become a plot mess quickly, but they, the TVA has some hard and fast rules. Variants get pulled into this TVA realm that exists outside of the timeline and they just omit out, you know, they, they use those bombs to basically wipe away whatever were the aspects of that diversion universe. And that's how they've created this consistent one, as well as just the idea of within chaos theory that they're hiding inside of apocalypses. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love that. You know, just they go, they go there, they know that no matter what they do, because the place is going to get destroyed five minutes later that they're not going to show in this sort of temporal wake. And the, and I, yeah, in, in terms of playing with a world that has a set of, of temporal and, and, and quantum and multiverse rules, I think it's really, it's written really tightly. And there's never a part of the story where I think like, oh, well, they, you know, there's no lazy writing mm-hmm. that, that changed the, the rules of the game in that way. You know, it, it really was about character consequences within this world and ultimately where that leads. Um, which brings me to, you know, once again, how in six episodes you have an entirely different Loki, but a story that feels like it's one of the best ones that Marvel has had in a really long time. Mm-hmm. The, the vibe of it visually, sometimes oh it God, reminded yeah. me a little bit of, a, of even a Nolan aesthetic, especially indoors. Hands down, my favorite scene is him looking in that drawer, pulling out the Tesseract and the music, the violins start playing. And it's just like, especially with this soundtrack and the score, that sort of tense revelation music. And he's looking down, there's just a pile of Infinity Stones. I was actually going to talk about that. Do either of you got, can you explain to me why they don't work? Um, Ben, I'll let you go. I'll let you go first with theory. Uh, okay, so I think it's because um, they're able to go anytime in time and get them. I think, it, like in Endgame, I think it was Endgame, right, where they uh, they're picking stones from the past to put them together, right? Um, those that's still the past over sort of one timeline. Um, but because the TVA has dominion over all timelines, they can just get them wherever they want to, and they just don't have a consequence because, um, yeah, because yeah, they're they're still it's in control. Like, of what's uh, next. So if if they take an Infinity Stone from another universe, it's equivalent to the theory that uh, we probably wouldn't be able to exist in that universe because of properties of that universe. 
would be vastly different from what creates our composition that it just makes them inert. Right. Or fundamental yeah, constant. Yeah, exactly. So th they're probably picking infinity stones from whatever branch that they're pruning or taking care of. And they're just collecting those things, but they have no, cause those, those branches are dead at that point. Right. Cause they clean them. Then there's no the consequence to it. Right. Yeah, well, also they're dead, but I could also see them not pruning an infinity stone because maybe if you had a bunch of infinity stones in the void realm at the end of time, that mm. could be a way that if it's six, mm. you might be able to build yourself a time. Oh, uh, say, uh, what, what do we call? Oh, gosh, what are they called again? The uh, the remotes, the time remotes. Mm. Yeah. I'm for, I'm forgetting the official name, but we know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, they're they're they're, they're something pad. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. is what they're called. Yeah. Um, um, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. When uh, what's his name was just like, oh yeah, we have a bunch of them. Some of them use them as paperweights. Yeah, yeah. Paperweights. Dying. I think, so but I wasn't you, sure about uh, the science behind it. But that makes sense that it was uh, uh, uh that there are different universe timelines. Yeah. I lo I have to yeah, say though. I mean, it, oh, go ahead. I was going to say also the potential is that perhaps two infinity stones in in one realm will somehow create either they're linked and create some sort of negating effect that they won't operate because they sense there's more than one in one place. Because yeah. there was never a point in Endgame where there were multiple infinity stones existing in one realm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they were only but going why back does, uh, Loki's? Why does Loki's magic not work there? Oh, well, that's a, that's the rules of whatever the TVA is. They're existing in some sort of realm outside of our universe. Right. Where I'm guessing, back to the fundamental constants, all the all the magic and energy manipulation, everything, all of the the beings know this is some alt realm where it just doesn't work. Well, and but that leads me to oh no, Ben. No, I was going to say well, <laughs> and that could be the other reason why the stones don't work. Which I thought because their stones are magic, right? But if this is a place where there's no magic, they're just if you took them out of the TVA, then they go back to their, their normal thing. To me, though, it really, that does, I mean, so, yeah, it was hilarious to see those in the drawer, but it also was like, well, wait a minute. So does Thanos only work, does Thanos only in, you know, so he's not sort of in the inner circle of the of the Marvel Universe. Kang has got to be more powerful. What do powerful. you mean? Well, so Kang's got to be more powerful oh, than him, yeah. right? Because he can exist in this place where, Thanos's magic, or at least the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, doesn't work anymore. Which means, it would well, be I more think, powerful, right? I think Kang is more powerful than Thanos. Yeah, I always thought in Marvel. I think it's oh, probably. I think it's the one above all. If we're getting real deep, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Whoa. the one above. It's the one above all. It's the uh, the Watcher. Yeah, is that what his name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then it's Galactus. Yeah. Then it's Kang. Then it's Thanos. That's right. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So is is that where Marvel's going? Is it going up the chain of bad guys for the next ten I, years? Well, it would make epic. It makes It'd sense if they're going to slowly introduce the Fantastic Four. The Galactus yeah. will be somewhere yeah. following suit. Yeah. Well, I just want to see multiple big bads in one phase. Like uh. I love to see Kang, Doom and Galactus all coming out together, which would be wild. <laughs> like, it'd be so epic. That's crazy. <laughs> but, it, but it did set up the multiverse of madness oh, yeah. really interestingly from, from a science point of view, too, 
Whereas now we're going to have different versions of everyone. And are they all, it's like, I wonder if you're going to get like some other version of Tony Stark mm-hmm. to come back. Yeah, right. And then they're going to have to create some sort of uh, quantum tether so that they know what universe or what timeline mm-hmm. each of them are from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder well, if that's the... There's one... Go ahead, John. No, Ben, go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder if that's the second season. Because that, I mean, that's the other thing, right? Is that this is the first uh, multi-season Marvel show. So I wonder if the second season yes. is going to be Loki trying to, well, obviously trying to get back to maybe his timeline. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that, trying to figure out how to connect them all. Or at least ID them. I wonder if he's going to truly be a good Loki now. Mm. That's going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Or if he's going to kind of revert back. Yeah. I think that he had, I mean, I know it only seems like what a matter of weeks passed at most in this season, but the character development, oh, yeah. especially when he's stuck in that time loop with Sif and after the, you know, the hundredth time, the thousandth time, he's just doing full, you know, full self-analysis, right. no holds barred. And you're like, wow, he's really just going to say all the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all and i you know there's moments he takes it back but there's also just moments where it definitely sticks mm-hmm. and yeah i mean this is this is why he's been he is he's one of the most complex intriguing characters in the series he always has been and now he's back <laughs> but again, again, have, again. again. I have one last thing though about this the one part of this series that I thought was a little tough, and that's just from the Marvel perspective, not scientific, mm-hmm. is that Odin would let, or either that Odin was unaware of the TVA, which I don't mm. believe for how powerful Odin is. Yeah, this is and, true. But that Odin would allow his daughter to be taken. And that they wouldn't figure out who did. Or. I don't know. It almost makes me believe that Odin himself saw that it was necessary. Um, I don't know. Because, yeah, I, I would I figure that Odin would not stand for that at all. And that the there would be some incredible story about that of, or Odin trying. It just seems strange unless it, it, it literally wiped Odin away in that universe as well. I don't know. Oh, you mean in his little time jail kind of thing? No, I just mean that in the world that Sylvie came from, the oh, fact that right, Odin right, right. was that Odin was unaware of the TVA going to take his daughter. Mm. I don't know. I had just for how powerful Odin is, that's a that's a tough set. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because he would have been able to see, or or that there wasn't magic on Valhalla to impede mm-hmm. any. Uh, any sort of portaling mm-hmm. that was not native to their, like, uh, to their dominion. That, that also, that's a good point, John. Right. No, that is a good point, but it also kind of speaks to how powerful Kang or the TVA the is. TVA I guess, is. You know? Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Valhalla, I really, one of my favorite parts of the show was when the sixties Loki conjures up Valhalla and the image of that to distract the smoke monster. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that was tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was super, super sick. Um, do, do you... 
now now there's like a gazillion kings, right? right? From from like there's gonna be like a multiverse war, which sounds wild. Um, what do you think is gonna be the hardest thing from a scientific <laughs> point of view for Marvel in the next phase? Like from from keeping all of these timelines and opportunities in line and thinking of it solely from the perspective of science, what do you each think and Ben you first uh, is going to be tough? Oh man, that's, I think it's going to be super hard. I mean, yeah, like you said, narratively just trying to keep all of the place in the air, but then trying to keep everything uh, internally consistent. So, you know, whatever, whatever rules that they've laid out in this universe of time, um, which were pretty direct. I mean, I think a lot of what Kang's last um, sort of diatribe was all about was kind of setting up the rules for what this new, new phase of, of Marvel's going to be, um, you know, just trying to make sure that they don't contradict that um, because, you know, scientifically time travel is, there's so many different like, theories around it and and ways that it can happen um some more far-fetched than others that just kind of trying to keep straight on what they're going to do and how they're going to tie it all together is the hard part um and that's you know that's narrative but it's also scientific right so whatever you know if it's like the quantum verse or whatever the heck it is that they're going to try to hang the physical science explanation on they just have to try to keep everything consistent and follow the same rules throughout the entire time and not change it up. I agree. John, what do you think? I think that, however, the method that they're going to be reaching from one universe to another and to not understate either the amount of effort that that would take in terms mm. of energy or you know how you... Not to gloss over the idea of how you safely transport someone from one universe to another. Although, I mean, I get, you know, from a magic perspective, someone like Doctor Strange makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what do, what does two merging universes look like? You know, is it a sort of a patch of space that's folding into itself? Is it, is it wormholes? Mm-hmm. Are, you know, it's, I don't know. And also, too, where you know is the timeline now diverging from this moment where they where sylvie killed kang and we're having a million inflection infinite inflection points from there or is it that the timeline is now diverging all up and along it in in the past and the future i don't know it's uh because to your point john if it if it diverges from any point in time then this moment in which sylvie Mm -hmm. killed kang had already happened and it's going to happen again because if it if it's not linear in that moment, then that means that this is just a moment on this spinning out timeline that would have already happened at some other point, which is also probably why Kang was so oh, calm yeah. and said, yeah. "I'll see you again real soon." Well, because he's confident that there already were other timelines where he was existing, or right, there, this had oh. already happened. Yeah, that I mean, already well, happened. I think it has to because if the inflection point only occurred when you know all of a sudden you hear that sound and they cross the threshold, then 
those universes really wouldn't diverge that much in the in the short amount of time following. You know, maybe a human zigged instead of zagged, but you're not going to have con. You're not going to see the consequences of massively different worlds. Like for example, where you have literally different versions of Loki as different genders mm -hmm. and beings and ages and species. species. You must have the inflections must be occurring all along the timeline, um, which makes you wonder then if. Uh, this is deeping away from the science a little bit, but if all those characters who are variants are able to be reinserted right. into timelines that they were taken from. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, yeah. No, that's great. And and at the point that you made scientifically about is there, you know, whatever the device is going to be, whether it's wormholes or whatever, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, again, whatever you know, whatever Marvel chooses, as long as they kind of go with the science and make it at least consistent throughout the next however dozens of movies that they're going to make, I think that would be great. Um, you know what that makes me think of, though, the moment where Sylvie kills Kang, you know, she pushes Loki through the time portal before she kills him. So technically he moved before the everything split off. So why didn't he just land back in the timeline that was before she killed Kang and everything diverged. Because I don't think you can necessarily assume that she moved him backwards or even parallel or also back to what we were saying. If the divergences are occurring along the timeline forwards and backwards, then she just moved Loki physically, but into it, you know, move, not moved him physically, moved him, didn't move him in time, but just moved him parallel into mm. another world where you already saw the divergence happen quite some time ago. Okay. All right. Well, that, yeah, that could be, I guess my, I guess the implication, the very last scene is that he, she pushed him, you know, I think she probably thought she was pushing him back to the TVA, but then, you know, he see, you know, he lands in a different, timeline because she's created all these divergent timelines but i was just thinking like that actually happened before the divergence happened but yeah maybe you're you're right it happened before the divergence happened but if you're assuming that time is moving forward equally there in in the nexus yeah, and yeah, wherever yeah. loki got sent through the door to mm -hmm. by the time you get by the time the camera snaps to that you know i think the effects have, have taken place and he's already in that parallel world mm. that diverged sometimes significantly far back enough that there's yes. a statue. <laughs> what we presume is some dark Kang. Yeah, I mean, that that's Kang. I think that's Kang the Conqueror, right? Because the Kang that right, we right. met was uh, the one who remains, which is, right? Because mm -hmm. there's like three or four Kangs. You have, you know, uh, Immortus, who's a Kang. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Ramantot is a Kang. And there's a, a handful mm -hmm. of other moments in time or in universe that are Kangs. So mm -hmm. I think um, they were trying to allude to the point that uh, the he who remains said, which is, we all might be evil, but I'm the le least evil out of all of them. And you don't want to meet the other ones of me. Right. 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 Um, right. 
But there was also just dating them at the same time. <laughs> you know, was he? He just seemed. He seemed so over it and bored that when it's just Sylvie and him, and you know, I don't know. I I don't think that he be, I don't think he thought his bluff was going to work, mm. and I think he was happy for that reason, in a weird way. I think. Well, but there is a storyline where Sylvie and Loki do take over. So like think, in the comics, that does mm. happen. So is it kind of like a like a genie in the bottle scenario where when you, you make the last wish, you take over being the genie, and that's like how the genie gets free. Where now there's there must there must always be someone to mm-hmm. run the TVA. And because because you killed a previous person, now you get that Yeah, job. I mean, I don't think they would have been able to kill King. I think he would have had to stay, stay there. I think his essence needed to be around to not create the divergence. But there was the mm-hmm. opportunity where they could have sat on the throne. Which I kind of... I was, I was hoping that, that, that it was going to... And this is just getting off science, but real quick... <laughs> I was hoping that they would take over the TVA. Some time would go by, and Sylvia would be like, "Yeah, screw it, and just kill Kang." And the same ending would happen. But, but we 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 had a <laughs> moment of bliss where Loki got to be king for just a moment, like a ten yeah. year payoff, and then it all went to hell. <laughs> well, I I still think that based on how this season ended. I could see Loki working to try to put this universe back together, even as Sylvie is down with letting it burn mm. and them having once been allies now end up in, in this much more antagonistic, but probably still romantically attracted arc throughout season two. Mm. And at the end, it comes down to him having to kill her or she having to kill him, that would be, I mean, probably not going to happen. And then whoever wins that does have to take over the TVA. You know, it's like they, they get this brief illusion that the world, they're going to get a taste of what the world exists without it. Mm-hmm. And then probably realize that they need to try to put it back. Yeah, maybe. But also too, like did, did Loki not take a, did he take a time stone out of that drawer? Or do you just pick one up and oh, that'd be wild if mm. he if like uh yeah if he just put one in a pocket just just for safekeeping yeah Johnny Depp style I mean Pirates now that you him. say that that is that feels like a major plot hole that he didn't like throw one in a pocket and then when he was out of the TVA just use it to wreak havoc <laughs> oh my god right because I figured like what's the one thing that the TVA would probably not have keep lying around as paperweights is if the time stone right. right i mean that's got to be a special how how could that not be a special thing for them mm-hmm. the fact that they were almost indifferent to i think it. they were i think i think in their oh, attempt yeah. to show the power of the tva they created some some ultra nerd plot holes that that we have fun talking about <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think you're right just to, it, it's really that next level I mean, you see, and Loki says as much. This is the most. Yeah, exactly. So they really try to lean in on that, but not to, um, not to, not allow our conversation to continually devolve from science into Marvel geekism. 
I would like to realign a little to some science and get your guys' take on everything going on in the world right now. And specifically, mm. you know, with COVID and misinformation and science. And, you know, I'll give my take off the top and I'd love to hear both of your takes. But I'm personally of the opinion that if you are not going to create a nationwide vaccine mandate, and I have my own reasons why I think that's a bad idea, but that's irrelevant. But if that's not the case, and the case in front of you is, if you get the vaccine, you should be safe. If you don't get the vaccine, you should still wear a mask and you should uh, be very careful, but it's your right to choose which way you want to go. Reintroducing mask mandates, which even in all of the articles, says it's against any real science, says it's really just because um, they don't have a better solution, feels like we're devolving into a society that cares about perception more than it cares about empirical science and what the reality of something is. And I was watching um, Crystal and Sauger, um who run a show called Breaking Points. Um, uh, it's a YouTube and a, a, a direct-to-consumer. It's fantastic. Their story is incredible. If, uh, if you guys don't know about it, just real quick, um, they ran a show called mm -hmm. Rising on the Hill, and they left because the Hill wanted them to say things that their sponsors wanted them to say, and they didn't think that was ethical, and they went out on their own. And now they have effectively their own Patreon of supporters who... Uh, who pay their bills so they can say unabashed news exactly how it is. And um, I just think it's, it's really great, great reporting. But Sagar had this point about how the media is um, falsely talking about, you know, um, the Delta variant, for instance. I guess there was a outbreak in Boston uh, last week or two weeks ago. And, like, the headline was like, you know, 20% or something got the Delta variant. But if you look deeper, none of them were hospitalized and none of them died. They just got sick. But because they were all vaccinated, they were able to stay safe. And, you know, people got sick, which, you know, people get sick if they get the flu, but they don't die and they don't get hospitalized. And I think are moving away from a science narrative and into a um what is politically correct for the moment narrative i think is dangerous and i just rambled for like three minutes so i'm really curious what both of you guys think on that i don't know who wants to start i'm gonna i'm not gonna start for a long i'm gonna hand it over to john almost immediately but i am gonna say that there has never been a time when we have been solely science based in our decision making we have always at least in the last hundred years have always made decisions balancing science and public perception and things like that. So I don't, this isn't, this is not anything different. And I, I honestly think that it's, it, it that is a, that's just a function of, of a site. I actually like, want to dig into that before be. John goes, why do you, I want to ask the reverse mm -hmm. of that question. Do you think that is the right way to do it? Or do you think society would operate better 
if it was solely based on science or do you think it would be a disaster like like I, i'm curious what your thoughts are on that i don't know if it would be a disaster um i also don't know if only taking one perspective to make decisions is the correct way to go either i think um we're not at a point now as a species as a society as a whatever where we could negate any other sort of perspective on stuff um so so i think if you don't i mean i think this past year has been or past 18 months has been the perfect you know the perfect proof of this right is even even at the beginning even with overwhelming scientific evidence before the vaccine that this was not something to you know sneeze at that this was a, a serious illness and a serious disease and you should do all these things. People still didn't even do it. So I am. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think because there are all those other forces and we, and we don't, we're not to the point in our advancement or whatever it is to control all of that stuff. I think we can't just take one perspective on, on making decisions. Now that said, I am pro science <laughs> <laughs> and would like to see more, like to see more of that, you know, leading the way. And I think it's been better for the past six months as far as leading, leading with science. But, you know, uh, I think that, I think that people in February thought, all right, science has gotten us a vaccine and it's free and everyone can get one. And that everybody was going to make that decision. I mean, there was a, that was a science decision, right? Um, and even a couple of months ago when mask mandates were gone and the vaccine was freely available, you still saw people not making decisions based on that. So now they've kind of backtracked the science only or let the science speak to itself, speak for itself type of decision-making. And now they're, maybe they are adding more of a, just a public perception um, aspect to it. But, but yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, there's my answer for that. I love it. John. So I, I think even in, say, the sort of utopia, I think, Matt, that you're trying to get at of where you had a society that was entirely based on science, I don't think it would work for a couple reasons. One, because science is a, a quantifiable study of the natural world as well as, you know, a, not a belief system, but in some ways you could almost think of it as a religion in the sense of it has its set of laws and rules, except that these are laws and rules that were actually, you know, have, have come up with a mutually agreed upon system of, of measuring the universe and of being able to manipulate it based out of that information. But science is a tool that can be used for good or evil. And science is completely indifferent to human ethics. Mm -hmm. And so humans with free will and decision-making ability, choice, <laughs> conscious choice sort of goes against the, you know, inevitability and entry and objectiveness of science. And so I think you will always need some sort of ethical system that's separate from science and uh, if you reduce a human being to a series of scientific behaviors one i still think it only held, holds so much accuracy and, and two it i don't know it just 
it, it's this sort of cold, unfeeling, maybe even, you know, makes me think of the Vulcan society. I was going to say, there are like 50 million Star Trek episodes based on this exact question. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but you thought there's also, you know, there's consequences to that amongst Vulcans, as well sure. as even they are not, you know, they still have a, a set of rules that aren't strictly based on science. They have their own culture. Sure. Um, yeah, so that to answer your question, that that's where my thought is with with on it. Um, with regards to the United States's actions in the past week or so on reinstating mask mandates, we've this is also sort of a situation of where you could say that not that democracy has failed, but that when given as much choice as everybody has and how our constitution protects choices, the fact that that constitutional protection is also extended to a matter of public health, which I personally don't think it should. Um, you know, there's, you know, correct. The United States could not make people get the smallpox vaccine or the polio vaccine, but everyone saw a couple hundred years of what those things did and didn't really seem to mind all lining up and getting the vaccine for the betterment of all, I would think it's just not, you know, it's not a difficult, it's not like there's sacrifices being It's made just disinformation people, you know, that, that's being health. spewed. It's just disinformation. Or, or yeah, or, or yeah, or, or, or cost at this point. Yeah, but, and I think that's also the, the issue is, you know, science used to be more of an ivory tower, which is true, which, which was, slowed scientific advancement now that there are so many different groups that can interconnect and work on projects the networking capability of the world has greatly expedited our scientific capability now that so much information is available there's so many people who think that they're knowledgeable mm -hmm. and that is where that's where the failing is it's a misinformation but it's also the fact that people playing into it yeah. thinking that they can they can read three articles and watch one youtube video <laughs> and know as much science as someone who studied epidemiology for 10 years and has right. a phd like that's and and the fact that they, the internet is a platform that gives them equal voice mm -hmm. you can keep going backwards in terms of like the all the different systems that are allowing oh, a weird sort of leveling of, and, of and it sounds field. like you're also but, comparing science in a sense to um to high-end designer luxury items right you could get two of the same item one's 20 bucks and one's 200 made of the same material but the one that's 200 is perceivingly made better similarly science has this notion that it takes time and if time is not given then it can't be real science. But if time has happened, then of course it has to be right because the people iterated many times. You're saying, I think, if, 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 if we had said this vaccine had been around in some form or another for 10 years and not 12 months, there'd been maybe more easy adoption by the public because the public sees science as something that should take time. And if it doesn't take time, then it's sketchy. Yes. Okay. In that, re in that respect, yes, I agree with you. People just didn't buy that a vaccine could be created that equal quickly based on historical precedent. However, 
I would say that because we had virtually the entire planet's medical community and scientific staff right. working on it, then the fact of it getting completed, you know, many times faster and a fraction of the time doesn't seem out particularly outlandish to me. Um, and, you know, once again, listening to it, where, where I think where you and I, when, when you're talking about the, the breadth and the, and the length of time giving legitimacy to science, where I'm trying to take that is from an individual basis of just any person in the, in thinking of something from a scientific and a scientific process standpoint should be analyzing the situation from multiple points of view and should be looking at many different information sources as well as how are those peer reviewed and accredited and, and just some of the people just click picking up clickbait on, on their social media and clicking into an article and just taking the internet at face value is terrifying. Wait, and so you're telling me that Darth Vader didn't get the vaccine? <laughs> because I was told he did, and that's why I got it. Well, Vader probably <laughs> would have gone one two ways. He either would have gotten the vaccine up front because he was extremely high risk because of all the damage to his lungs, <laughs> or he wasn't allowed to because the possible side effects of the vaccine because of his pre-existing condition sure. would have proven too dangerous. <laughs> then again, being on a permanent respirator, assumingly with Star Wars tech, he would have been able to filter out those particulates. That's true. Anyway. Oh, that's true. <laughs> fantastic. That's fantastic, John. <laughs> Hey guys, our producer Mike told us we're splitting this episode into two, so stay tuned for next week's. Thanks so much. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>